be with you, and, and thank you for, for having us. But, but, you know, we're excited about what God's doing, but what I want to do publicly is thank Karen and Rachel, um, you know, for, for having the, the courage to release us, for having the grace to release us, for loving us enough to let us go. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for Aaron and Rachel. You know, the, the, the input they put into us, the, the love they put into us for seeing something in us that sometimes we didn't even see in ourselves. Um, so we just, you know, publicly, can we just show Anna and Rachel a bit of love? Because they are... And we do, we do love, we love you guys, we love you as a church. Riverside will always have a special place in our hearts. Um, you know, we, we will stand with you in your 21 days and, and we'll kind of, we'll, we'll talk to our church and we'll stand with you just to join with you and set aside an hour a day to pray for you. Um, because we, we believe in connection, we believe we are stronger together, um, and we are, you know, we're on this journey with you. Um, and I know you're on a series where you're, you're looking at prayer and fasting, and you're beginning a series. So I want to bring a message this morning from Psalm 27. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, too, feel free to turn there and just hold your finger in it. Now, I'll be honest with you, Psalm 27 isn't about prayer, and it's not about fasting either. Um, but it's a message that I really feel will encourage you in your prayer times that, that through what I speak, you'll, you'll discover a new passion for prayer. You'll discover a new passion for the presence of God and understanding of who God is. Um, but before I do that, I want to show you a picture, if I can, of the guys at the back. Um, just keep going. Sorry, guys. Next one. Okay, does anyone know where this is? It's not Wales. <laughs> Because if there's blue sky, it's not Wales. <laughs> All right? Does anyone know where that is? Anyone like to have a guess? It's not Patagonia. Not far off. Right continent. Well, right side of the world. That's Death Valley. Death Valley uh, in Western California in America. Death Valley is known uh, because it's a place where nothing grows. The land is dead. It is so hot, so dry, so arid that nothing grows. Um, because it never rains. But something odd happened in 2004. It rained phenomenally. It rained incredibly. Seven inches of rain fell in the space of two days. And, and it turned the land, it turned the ground into this huge, muddy mess. And then what happened? Six weeks later, we got this picture. Same valley, same place, same dry, dead land. Uh, and, and they call it a super bloom. And what people realized was Death Valley, and I want you to catch that, Death Valley wasn't dead. Death Valley was dormant. Underneath the surface of what was dry, there were seeds of potential. And those seeds were waiting for the right environment, waiting for the right time so they could flourish, so they could bloom. They call it, it happens actually, they didn't realize this, this happens every couple of years. And they never realized it, and it's called a super bloom. Who wants to live super bloomed? Who wants to live flourished? Because I believe that if you get yourself into the right environment, if you put yourselves under the right conditions, you bloom. Psalm 92 says those who, who dwell in the courts, they will flourish. They will flourish. We're not called just to live. We're not called just to survive. We want to flourish. We want to see people flourish. It's something that we believe in Newbridge. Jesus said you are called to live life and life in all its fullness, or life to the full, but we get ourselves in the right environment. In our heart, in Newbridge, we, we wrap our vision up in three statements, and it's these, that we restore hope, sorry, that we revive hearts, 
that we restore hope and we rebuild lives. We want to see people have their hearts revived towards the things of God. We want to see people encounter God, discover who God is. We want to see people have their hope restored. They discover who they are and they have their lives set free from anything that might hold them back. And we want to help people rebuild their lives. Discovering the gifts, discovering the calling on their life that God's called them to live so that they can go and flourish and they can go and live life to the so, so how do we do that? Well, Psalm 16 says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. It says, you will show me the path of lights. In your presence is fullness of joy. And I want you to catch that. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. And I want to bring you a message on, on what it means to pursue the presence to pursue the presence of God. And I want to come from this that, that I believe that when we pursue the presence of God, we find all we need. We find fullness. We find fullness of joy. 2 Chronicles 16 says that the eyes of the Lord search for people who are committed to him. The eyes of the Lord search for people whose hearts are committed to him. Hebrews 11 says God rewards those who earnestly seek after him. God wants us to seek him. God wants us to seek his face. God wants us to seek his presence. And when we're in his presence, we find fullness of joy. You know, Jesus said there's a call on our lives to come closer to God. He said that we should worship him in spirit and in truth. And that word that Jesus uses for worship is, is proscunio. And you might probably already know this, and it means to kiss. But it's not the kiss of lovers. It's not the kiss of kind of emotion. Hebrew is a pictorial language. And the the picture that the Hebrew gives of this is of a dog licking its master's hand. Which sounds really strange. that, that, That God wants us to worship like a dog licking its master's hand. And it reminded me uh, a while ago, I don't know if, if anyone has ever seen a dachshund. But it's basically a sausage with a face. <laughs> Let's be honest. All right? And um, when, when I was little, when I was, when I was living in Wales, growing up in Wales, I had a friend called Adam, and Adam had a dachshund. I'm just going to move that, sorry, because I think I'm going to slip on it. Um, now, he had this dachshund, and the best thing about this dachshund is when you went into Adam's front, front kind of hallway, he had laminate flooring. And watching a dachshund on laminate flooring, I'm sorry, there is no YouTube video that is funnier. <laughs> Just watching his little legs. And, it, and he would, you, would, you would go in through the door and he would run up to you and his legs were skidding and he would jump and he, he'd jump up on you and he was going, hooray, my favorite people are here. You've come to see me. And he would jump up and he would try and lick you and try and bite you. And it, it would remind me, that's what God wants. He's looking for people that on Sunday morning, when you get to the car park, your legs are doing this because you can't wait to get into the presence of God. And when, and when you get into the presence of God, the countdown finished and you're there. Jesus, our God is great. And you're there because you are licking your master's hand. And God goes, that's what I want. That's what I want. But there are some people in churches, you're a different type of dog. <laughs> oh, God is great. 
How God is strong. <laughs> And you're waiting for God to come to you. God, you can come to me. I'm not moving. I'm staying right where I am. You come to me. God wants people who run towards him. God wants people who can't wait to get into his presence. James 4 says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. And I want you to notice the order of that. Draw near to God. And then... He will draw near to you. It's our job to make the first move. God is attracted to people who seek him. And when we make the first move, he promises we'll find him. So Psalm 27. Psalm 27 tells us it's written by David. Now, when you read the life of David or you know anything about the life of David, instantly in your bright brain, you think David and Goliath. You think of a guy who won great victories, who... who, composed incredible worship songs. But I just want to tell you some of the the disappointments in David's life. Early on, he had a lion and a bear trying to attack him, trying to attack his sheep. He faced Goliath, who was a nine-foot giant. He was hunted by King Saul. He had to run for his own life. He found himself living in enemy territory without food or weapons. David was betrayed by a close friend. David's infant son died days after birth. David's older sons rebelled against him in his old age. Even David's wife, it says, despised him. But in all his troubles, David says this, one thing I ask, the one thing I ask of the Lord is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in his perfections, meditating in his temple. Now you'd think that David would pray to God for victory, or David would pray to God for, for uh, you know, victory over his enemies, or, or peace in his kingdom, or anything else, but he says, no, the one thing, the one thing I want, the one thing I'm going to pray for, is that I would live in the house of God, that I would dwell in the house of God. And I want to ask a question, if you could ask one thing from God, just one thing, if God, you could ask for one thing from God, what would it be? Who's prayed for a parking space? <laughs> Who's prayed for a pay rise? Or a new job? Or a new contract? Uh, you know, if you're younger, who's prayed for a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Who's prayed for that thing you want at Christmas? Who's prayed that their sports team might actually win a game? <laughs> I know that pain. <laughs> But you might pray for something because it's what you want. It's what you really need from God. But David says this, now the one thing, the one thing I ask for, the thing I seek most is I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Because David knew the most important thing in his life wasn't wealth. It wasn't victory. It wasn't greatness. It wasn't possessions. It wasn't strength. The most important thing in David's life was his relationship with God, was the presence of God. And when his focus was being in God's presence, what I want to do over the next couple of minutes is just show you how when David's focus is on the presence, everything else flows. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. He starts with these words, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? He then says, why should I tremble? My heart will not be afraid. I will remain confident. I will hold my head high. I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Now that doesn't sound like a man who lived with fear. 
That doesn't sound like a man who lived with disappointment. That doesn't sound like a man who lived with grief. Because he knew that in the presence is fullness of joy. And David knew this. As long as he was in the presence of God, he didn't need to be afraid. And there are times he did ask for protection. And there are times he did ask for help. But he says this, this is the one thing. This is what's important. To be in the presence of God. See, what David was doing was seeking God's face and not his hand. He was seeking God's face and not seeking his hand. He was seeking God's presence and not his provision. He was seeking relationship with God, not just trying to get God to grant his requests. The one thing I ask of the Lord, because David knew that everything flowed from relationship. Everything flowed out of presence. David even ends the psalm with this, I am confident I'll see the Lord's goodness. I'm confident I'll see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. It wasn't just waiting till I die. But I'm going to see it now. I'm going to see it while I'm alive. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven because when I'm in the presence, in his presence, is fullness of joy. Hebrews 4, 6 says, Let us come boldly to his throne, into his presence, because there we'll receive mercy and we'll receive grace to help us. Isaiah 2 says, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. Let's get into God's presence and then he will teach us his ways. So in God's presence, we get grace, we get mercy, we get direction. We will walk in his path. Isaiah 40 says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's all in the presence of God. You want God's strength? Get into his presence. If you want God's provision, get into his presence. If you want God's direction, get into his presence. If you need to experience God's grace, get into his presence. You know, when one of our leadership team was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I needed wisdom, and I needed a bit of faith, we found it in God's presence. When, when, a, when, a, when a girl who, who identifies as, as homosexual and has been ostracized by the church walks back into church, suddenly we need wisdom. Suddenly we need a bit of mercy. Suddenly we need a bit of compassion. We need a bit of discernment. We go to God's presence and we find it. When her partner then gets saved, and that's a whole new journey. And we've got to walk them through in grace, but in truth, we need God's presence. When, when we've booked a, a, a 450-seater auditorium and we've got a congregation of 80 and I need faith, we get it in God's presence. Now that lady, she's, she's still not healed. But my faith has never been stronger. That I'm believing every day that she's going to be healed. That couple we're on a journey with, we, we meet with them every two weeks and we just journey with them. The, the auditorium, originally, they'd actually booked the auditorium before we got there, but they booked the smaller room that fitted 120 people. And I said, nope, we're going to go for it. So we booked this 450-seater auditorium, the biggest auditorium in the area, and we got 380 people in it. That's not because of anything I did. It's because we got into the presence. And it gave us what we needed to go further because in his presence, there is fullness. 
there is fullness of joy. 2 Chronicles 7, that God says to Solomon, if, it's conditional, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if, if they humble themselves, it's conditional, it's positional. We've got to humble ourselves. We've got to put God first. If they pray and they seek my face, it's devotional. That we pray and we seek God's face. Not just, praying in, in, not just praying in isolation, but praying and seeking his face. And when we do that, then we get the promise. That I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to some prayers. Every prayer made in this place. See, when we choose to humble ourselves, when we put our own needs aside, our own agendas, our own plans, and we, we seek God's face, he hears our prayer. Band, I wonder if you'd join me. Can I encourage you, as, as you enter this period of prayer and fasting, that you come into it seeking God's face. Don't come into it with an agenda of what you want or what your plans are, but come into it seeking God's face. And by doing that, you come into an understanding of who God is. You've sung some incredible songs this morning declaring who God is. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. And David does this when you go through Psalm 27. He says this, He is my light. He is my salvation. He is my fortress. He will protect me. He will cover me. Verse 9, he has always been my helper. Verse 10, he will hold me close. And when I understand who God is, I don't need to fear. I don't need to worry about whatever's going on because I understand who God is and I come into his presence. Psalm 23, we all know it. The Lord is my shepherd he's my shepherd he provides for me he gives me rest he leads me he renews my strength he guides me he's close beside me he protects me he comforts me church we need to rehearse who God is we need to remind ourselves who God is as we enter into his presence and when we come to pray we come first knowing who God is declaring who God is that he is faithful He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's merciful. He forgives my sins. He's love. He's light. He's my salvation. He's my stronghold. He's my provider. He's my maker. He's my fortress. He's my high tower. He's my refuge. He's my helper. He's my healer. He's my redeemer. He's my hope in every shadow. He's my anchor in every storm. He's my strength in the battle. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. He's a way maker. He makes a way. He's a miracle worker. He is the light in the darkness. And just like David says, I will see his goodness. And I will see his victory. And I will see his power at work in my life on this earth. Come on, church, let's stand if we're able. Let's stand together. Why don't we just take some time to just give God praise for who he is. If you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. But let's just lift our voices. God, we thank you for who you are. We worship you this morning for who you are. We want to be in your 
presence. God, we know that in your presence is fullness of joy. God, would you lead us into your presence every day that when we pray, we pray knowing who you are. We pray knowing exactly who you are, that you are all powerful. You are all sufficient. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we give you all the praise, all the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.